Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Jesus began his Tuesday by heading back into Jerusalem. Now, if you remember, last time we left him having cursed a fig tree as he was heading back into Jerusalem on that Tuesday. Remember, he tried to eat some figs for breakfast, and when he went up to the tree, there was nothing there, and then he cursed the fig tree, and the disciples were so amazed, and then in the process of their amazement, Jesus gives one of the greatest statements about what can be accomplished through a prayer of faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you tell this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Matthew 21, 21 through 22. Well, it's still Tuesday and Jesus is continuing his walk back into Jerusalem. But now today... He's going to take on some people that hated Jesus. He's going to take on a group of people that Jesus challenged the most. You know who they were? The religious establishment. And they can all be summed up in one word, one group of people. The Pharisees. See, the Pharisees were the religious rulers of the day. In many ways, they were also the superheroes of their time. These were men who had fought for the Jewish people during the Maccabean Revolt. And the Maccabeans revolted against Roman rule. Well, some of the leaders in that were men who were of the Pharisaic sect. And they ended up being cultural heroes to many of the Jewish people. These were men who had done great deeds on behalf of the Jewish people, trying to free them from Roman enslavement. They were cultural heroes to many of the Jewish people. They had religious authority on top of that. See, if you had a question about how the law should be applied and and how you should live out the law day to day, well, you asked a Pharisee. And this group of Pharisees grew into what would also be called a social movement. And so what would happen is you would join the Pharisees and you would then become a rabbi and teach and preach. And and many of the rabbinical traditions that arose during Jesus' day, many of the traditions of the rabbis came from the work the philosophy and the preaching and the oral tradition passed down from Pharisee to Pharisee. See, in Jesus' day, they had a lot of oral laws which were added to the written law found in the Torah. Now, the Torah is made up of the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those five are known as the Torah. And you, as a good Jew during Jesus' day, would want to live out the law as presented in the Torah. Well, some days you'd have a question. All right, the Torah says I should take care of the Sabbath, right? I can't work on the Sabbath. What does that actually look like? Can I sew on the Sabbath? Can I wash my dog on the Sabbath? Well, if you wanted those questions answered... 
you went to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, acting as rabbis, would then tell you. Oh, and then that oral law would be passed down from that rabbinical teaching from that rabbi to another rabbi to another Pharisee and to another Pharisee. And if you wanted to know what to do, you would go to the Pharisees, to these rabbis who would teach you what to do. Well, after the temple was destroyed, this oral tradition was later turned into a book. They were written down, and the book is called the Mishnah. And it contains over 600 600 laws as to what you should do in certain particular situations. And all these oral traditions from the Pharisees were put down in this book called the Mishnah. And it's still around today. If you want to know how to live out the law, you go consult the Mishnah. Well, during Jesus' day, that book hadn't been written yet. In Jesus' day, people would remember, okay, this rabbi said I got to live out this way. This Pharisee said if I want to live correctly, I've got to do this. And okay, I'm going to tell somebody. It would be passed on accurately through what is called oral tradition. But ultimately, they were adding to the law. Well, if you had to go to these men to find out what to do, guess what? These men eventually ended up with a lot of power immense religious power, especially in Jerusalem. And one of their powers was that they could arrest somebody for whatever reason they chose. They could arrest people for religious and secular reasons. And, and these, these men, the, this, the, these powerful men, eventually became the Pharisees who made up part of a group of powerful religious leaders called the Sanhedrin. Now, Sanhedrin means 70, and so there were 70 spots in this religious authority, right? You could join the great Sanhedrin, but you could only fill one spot. Well, half of them were Pharisees, and the other half were Sadducees. The Pharisees, they didn't really get along well with the Sadducees, and the Sadducees, they didn't really like the Pharisees. But they had to get together. The Pharisees had the most power. Why did they have the most power? Because they were loved by the people. Now get that in your head. They were loved by the people. Because remember, they fought during the Maccabean Revolution, right? And if you wanted to know how to live properly, thank you, Mr. Pharisee, for helping me understand how to better follow Yahweh. They were loved by the people, and they emphasized the Torah, while the Sadducees weren't really of the people, no. They came from the aristocratic ruling class, from landed nobility. They could trace their heritage all the way back, and they emphasized the temple and the keeping of the temple, and he had to go to the temple, and they would work in the temple, but they weren't as popular with the people because the Pharisees owned what are called the synagogues. You went to the temple once a year or twice a year to give atonement or to offer a sacrifice. Otherwise, you hung out and learned and studied the Torah at your local synagogue, and they were run by the Pharisees, so they knew the people. While the Sadducees ran the big temple, and they took care of all that stuff. Well, this group of religious leaders called the Sanhedrin, 
which means 70, was made up of these Pharisees and these Sadducees. Well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had immense power in Jerusalem. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees decided that they hated Jesus. Over and over again in Matthew's story about the life of Jesus, especially here in Matthew 21 and 22, he talks about how the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, sought to attack, and particularly they wanted to arrest Jesus. Matthew 21, verse 46, although they were looking for a way to arrest him. Matthew 22, verse 15, then the Pharisees went and plotted how to trap him by what he said. So when Jesus entered Jerusalem on Tuesday, he was a marked man. And today when you think of the word Pharisee, it's usually negative. But in Jesus' day, these were popular men who had a lot of good authority. And so when Jesus walked into Jerusalem, he was disliked by a group of men who the people liked and respected. Jesus, though, he knew these men were bad. He knew their hearts and he knew they were evil. He knew they weren't truly following Yahweh. But Jesus still had to stand up to them. He had to stand up to the most popular people of his day and speak the truth. And this was his Tuesday. Well, when he walks into Jerusalem, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they are out to arrest him. These men are out to get him. Now, the Pharisees' goal is to get Jesus to do one of three things. If they can get him to do one of these three things, then they can arrest him. They're going to either get him to blaspheme, to say something so blasphemous, the people are appalled, they can arrest him under religious authority right there. Or they're going to get him to take a side in some great theological debate, and then Jesus won't be popular with the people anymore, at least one side of the debate, and then they can have a better chance to arrest him right there. Or the third way is to get him to do something that would get him in trouble with the Romans. Then the Romans would arrest him and they could arrest him. I mean, this would be great if they could get him to do or say something that does both of those, gets him in trouble with the Romans and blasphemes, even the better. Now remember, blaspheme means to say words or to argue for a concept that goes against what God teaches goes against what is found in the Torah. They wanted to trap and ensnare, trip up and test, arrest, and I think they wanted to murder. Those were the Pharisees' goals. That was the goal of the Sanhedrin Council. And so here come the Pharisees and the Sadducees to attack him. Now their first attack was against Jesus' authority to speak or prophesy. You know, if they could make Jesus look dumb or theologically ignorant, then it would enhance their standing and maybe even lead to making Jesus say something bad or blasphemous. So, when he entered Jerusalem on that Tuesday, they challenged his authority right away. They challenged his authority to speak words from God or to heal from God. 
says in Matthew 21, verse 23, when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, um, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? In other words, you don't have any authority to heal or teach. Any authority has to be given to you by God or at least given to you by the Sanhedrin Council. You are fake, sir. That's essentially what they were saying. Well, Jesus then responds by asking them a simple but brilliant question. I will also ask you one question, and if you answer it for me, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did John's baptism come from heaven, or was it of human origin? Matthew 21, 24-25. Brilliant question. Jesus has already trapped them and is calling them out for their hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy is a big word and basically means you act one way on the outside, but believe something completely different on the inside. Matthew writes that the Pharisees discussed it among themselves. And they basically said, well, if we say John the Baptist's authority came from heaven, then Jesus will ask, why didn't you believe John? And if we believe John, then we're going to have to repent and we're going to have to stop trying to kill Jesus. So he can't say that. But they thought if we also say, well, it's not from God, it was of human origin, then we're going to get in trouble with the crowd and the crowd considers John to be a prophet. And so they were stuck. They couldn't say from heaven and they couldn't say from man. So instead, the Pharisees answered, we don't know. Well, Jesus knew their hearts and how their whole goal was to people please and retain their money and power. And they didn't really care where John the Baptist's authority came from. They were just trying to get Jesus in trouble. And so when they couldn't answer Jesus then refused to give them an answer. Well, Jesus then went on to tell three stories or parables. Now, a parable is a story with a spiritual meaning. And these parables pointed out to anyone who had spiritual ears to hear that these Pharisees were hypocrites. Remember, a hypocrite? They look good on the outside, but they are evil on the inside. Jesus points out through these three stories that the same men who pretended to love Jesus were men who wanted to kill him. And they had killed the prophets that God had sent the people of Israel. And one of the stories he tells is of a ruler who had two sons. One son complained when his dad asked him to do something. But in the end, that same son decides to do it. While another son said, yeah, I'll go along with what you want, Dad. And he said he would obey, but he never did. And Jesus asks, you know, who does the will of the Father at that point? Well, the one who said he wouldn't do anything originally, but then he did. And then Jesus says, guess what? The Gentiles, the tax collectors, the people you look down upon, 
They're doing the will of God by following me, Jesus. And he also told the story of a king inviting people to a wedding feast and, and that of a vineyard owner sending a son back to take claim of the vineyard. And each of these parables was calling the Pharisees and the Sadducees out for being hypocrites and murderers. See, when the son went back to claim the vineyard for the father, guess what? They ended up killing all the messengers that the king sent. And they ended up killing the king's own son. And later on, when they all came to a wedding feast, everybody the king invited, they didn't come. So he went out and found other people willing to come to the wedding feast. And they came. And it's the story of the people of Israel. Jesus came to the people of Israel. Jesus came to the Pharisees to offer himself as king. Prophets came hundreds of years before to tell them about following Yahweh. And they killed the prophets. And they're about to kill the son. And they act like they're so righteous on the outside, but they are full, Jesus says later, of dead men's bones on the inside. They are hypocrites. And they're murderers. And so Jesus tells these three stories. And guess what? (laughs) These three stories did not go over well with the Pharisees. Because the Bible says when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew he was speaking about them. And although they were looking for a way to arrest him, they feared the crowds because the people regarded him as a prophet, Matthew 21, 45 through 46. Well, after hearing these parables, the Pharisees went and they plotted how to trap him by what he said in response to hot topic issues of his day. They were going to cancel Jesus, in other words. And so they came up with one of the hot topic issues of their day. Now, the Bible says that the Pharisees went with another group called the Herodians to ask Jesus this burning question. Now, the thing is interesting. In real life, the Pharisees and the Herodians hated each other. The Herodians are called the Herodians because they loved King Herod and they wanted more government in their lives. Well, the Pharisees hated King Herod and they wanted less government in their lives, but they both hated Jesus. You know, when you are desperate to destroy your enemy, you'll do anything. Well, both the Herodians and the Pharisees show up. This is our second attack. And they said this, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. And you don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality. Tell us then, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Matthew 22, verses 15 through 17. Well, the Bible says that Jesus, perceiving their malicious intent, said, Why are you testing me, hypocrites? He just calls them hypocrites. Because he knows they're coming to attack him by asking him this hot topic question. And whatever way he answers, they know he's going to irritate one group of people. 
And if he could get them to irritate one group of people, then guess what? The other group might turn on him or the group who he irritates might turn on him and then they'd have a better chance to arrest him. And then they could accuse him of talking out of both sides of his mouth. And yes, this will be a great way to catch him. But Jesus, he's brilliant. And his answer to this question was brilliant. What Jesus did is he asked for a coin that you would use to pay this Roman tax. It was called a denarius. And he says, hey, bring me a denarius. And so they brought Jesus a denarius. And then he holds the denarius up in his hand and he says, whose image and inscription is this on this coin? Well, the Pharisees and the Herodians answer Caesar's. Then Jesus said to them, Give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. Notice what the Bible says. The Herodians and the Pharisees were amazed at Jesus' answer. Jesus, again, in one simple stroke, destroyed the controversy. Give to God what he asks of us financially, and then also pay to Caesar what he asks of you. Pay what you owe the government. These are two spheres that we live in, right? The spiritual world and the fleshly world. And we must give to Caesar what we owe him and to also give to God what God requests of us. But we never give to Caesar what is God's. Well, this was a simple but profound answer that the Bible says left the people amazed. Well, they failed at the first attack. They failed at the second attack. Well, here again on Tuesday of Passion Week, they're going to attack him again. And another set of religious hypocrites show up, the Sadducees. Now, they asked Jesus a question of particular interest, another hot topic issue of their day, and it dealt with the resurrection. See, in Jesus' day, there were two schools of thought about the resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe there was going to be a physical resurrection, while the Pharisees did. This question was trying to make Jesus take a stand, to take sides, to alienate half of his audience so they could get the people to turn on him. But Jesus once again defeated their attempt at entrapment with another brilliant answer. He basically said, your theology is wrong. And the Sadducees ask him this huge, long, convoluted question about resurrection and whose wife this woman would be when she goes to heaven. And Jesus just says, you know what? You're wrong. Your theology is wrong. And you can look at his answer there in Matthew 22, 23 through 28. But Jesus brilliantly says, you're theological thinking is an error. You're wrong. Well, they fail there. And then finally, a third group come and try to trap him with one of the hardest questions in religion at the time. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with this whole resurrection answer, they came together. 
And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Matthew 24, 34 to 36. I think by this time, they knew they couldn't defeat Jesus. And I think this question, they were just honestly curious. How would Jesus answer one of the biggest burning questions of their day? The question was essentially this. Can you sum up all the laws? I guess in the Bible, there's like over 600 of them. Can you sum up all the laws in one or two verses? One author wrote, the rabbis of Jesus' day were much exercised or concerned to find summary statements of Old Testament laws and establish which is more important than the other. And can we sum up all these laws? Because there's so many of them. Are there some statements where we could just make a summary statement? I think at this point, they were honestly curious. What will Jesus' brilliant answer be? Well, Jesus gives a profound answer which we still work through and wrestle with and try the hardest to apply to our lives today. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. That's amazing. Jesus takes two verses from the book of Deuteronomy and he says, all the law and the prophets, everything hangs on these two verses. I think this is later on in the day. It's getting darker and Jesus turns the table on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and asks them a question. A great burning theological question that ultimately points to the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Lord of the universe, the Son of God. By answering this question correctly, they would have to admit that Jesus is God and Lord of all. Well, after these attacks and Jesus' successful defense, and then after being asked a difficult question by Jesus who had a profound grasp of the law and the Torah, the Bible says that after all this, no one was able to answer him at all. And from that day on, no one dared to question him anymore. Matthew 22, verse 46. From that day on, no one dared to question him anymore. They were done. No more. No more. We are done. Every question we give him, he has an answer for. And in fact, he ends up making us look bad. Well, now, now they're going to hear a sermon. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.